You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. You're listening to CLNS Media, powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to clnsmedia.com slash roll. Use our promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your first deposit. Welcome back to another episode of the Winning Plays podcast with Brian Robb and Michael Pina. I'm Rich Levine, and guys, we are recording this on a Friday afternoon, mere days before the start of NBA free agency, and it's looking pretty damn likely that Kemba Walker will be signing with Boston. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what the Celtics can do, perhaps more importantly, to find themselves a serviceable big man to play behind Kemba. Uh, but first, we're going to remind you to please subscribe to the Wing Plays podcast, wherever it is you listen. It is a huge help for our numbers. Uh, give us a follow on our Twitter account, at WinningPlaysPod. As always, shout out to CLNS Media for hosting this show. A shout out to BetOnline.ag, always the best sponsor we've ever had. And guys, let's get right into it. B-Rob, uh, our resident Celtics beat writer. Uh, here's what I want to know. And we know, so we're, everyone's very excited about Kemba, and we talked about this a little bit on our episode earlier this week. But there's still that big hole in the front court, the rim protector. How are the Celtics going to sign Kemba Walker and potentially find, whether it's, whether it's Miles Turner or Steve Adams or Clint Capella or DeAndre Jordan or any number of these guys from, from the top shelf to, let's say, the middle shelf? How's it going to happen? That's the biggest question that Danny Ainge and Mike Zarin and Austin Ainge and Dave Lewin and everyone else in that front office is tackling with right now. And I bet there do we think there's just a you think there's a whiteboard in there, guys? Like flow Maybe chart? a few. <laughs> like few, like giant four K television. Right. Um <laughs> projector. Yeah. But yeah, there's you know, there's simple ways to do it. This the the, the straightforward way obviously is you know, if, if they sign Kemba outright with the cap room, then they have, you know, $4.6 million to work with, which is the room level exception, um, to sign a guy that you can try to sell on being, hey, you, you're going to play big minutes at center, get lots of stats uh, in Brad Stevens' system, hey, come take a discount and play. Um, what about the, the Al other alternative to that would be getting, get into that a little bit. Exactly. So this is... Right. So the, the other alternative, um, of which there are many, is for the front office to get creative with um, where Al Horford is going next. And so I wrote, which you can check this out on bostonsportsjournal.com, pretty much a breakdown of a way the Celtics could leverage Al Horford's next destination into um, pretty much working a three-team sign-in trade. So how this would work essentially is Al Horford tells the Celtics where he's going to go, the Celtics sign and tr- trade Al Horford to that team. Uh, the Hornets sign and trade Kemba Walker to the Celtics. And that way, the Celtics stay over the salary cap. And so why does that matter for getting a big man? It gives the Celtics more options in the sense that they would have the full mid-level exception to spend, which is $9 million as opposed to four and a half, And they would have... Bird rights on Marcus Morris. They wouldn't have to renounce all their free agents, which would open up more sign-in trade opportunities 
or even bring Morris back if you wanted just another stretch big to help you, you know, fortify the front court. So again, it's 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 not a I wouldn't call it a pie in the sky possibility, but it is a situation that I'm sure the Mike Zarin will be trying to pull off if he can get Horford and Horford's next team to kind of bite on it. Michael Pena. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Um, I, 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 I personally don't, I mean the, the, the sign and trade with Al Horford would be terrific. Um, I personally am not sure how realistic it is from at this point looking forward, but crazier things have happened, and that's certainly an ideal scenario for the Celtics. You can get a lot, I think, a, a much more quality big man using the full mid-level, obviously, than the room exception. Um, uh, you can offer more years, up to four more years, uh, up to four years total on that contract, in addition to... Uh, as an advantage, the room mid-level only allows you to to sign a player for two years. So just a, it increases a lot of options, and I think we're about to go through some of those options right now, and the Celtics should certainly pursue this. We, we have no idea what team Al Horford is going to go to at this point either, which also complicates it. I, I You know, if, like, the Sixers were that team, which is technically possible, I don't know if they would be willing to help Boston at right. all. You'd have to, this would have to be a Western Conference team for any hope for it to happen, I feel like. Right, and if you're, you know, like the Sacramento Kings, you would be fine getting a, a first-round pick, I, I would think, but yeah. Right. But you said, B-Rub, that potentially the Celtics are going to have to add a, a first-round pick, right? Yeah, exactly. You, it, No one's just going to do it outright just because it helps the Celtics. So you have to, for the Celtics to, to pull this off, they have to sweeten the pot, which means... You know, you give a first-round pick to Horford's next team to facilitate it because that team obviously could probably sign Horford outright with their cap room. So it's like, why? Why are we going to help you? So the Celtics will have to probably you know gauge what's what's it worth for them to have these additional options, and then obviously hope that Horford goes to a team that is interested in an extra first-round pick for essentially doing nothing. And obviously Horford has to go along for two, which you'd hope that he you know, hey, I'm going to do you guys a solid here and let you sign and trade me. The precedence for this, just off the top of my head, is when LeBron went from Cleveland to Miami and they, they conducted a sign and trade and they got uh, the the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, I believe, got a first round pick out of that. I'm not exactly sure exactly yeah, what they got, but they, they got, got something. Yeah, yeah, they got multiple first round picks. Which was a dagger for the Heat in hindsight, but they still but, won two titles, so whatever. And then and then wasn't Bosch ultimately like a sign and trade too in that same... The same yes. bunch of moves. Yeah, they. All, I think they all were signed and traded. Exactly, they were all signed and traded, Rich, um, so they could sign for more money. Essentially, at the time, like get a and longer contracts, probably too. And real quick before I move on, the Hornets would be getting what you said, maybe like a second round pick or. Yeah, just something. I mean, they get a trade exception for doing, which is helpful as opposed to Kemba. Like they're losing Kemba for nothing here, otherwise, so they don't need as much as the Horford's team would. So you'd think throw them a second round pick. They get a trade exception in the Kemba sign and trade. And then who knows? Maybe you can say, if you want someone on a roster, you know, we can send you Terry Rozier um, if you want him or whatever else. So it shouldn't be, they shouldn't be the obstacle here. It would be the Horford's team. 
Yeah, Terry would have to agree to that, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, so... But hey, they need, maybe a, he they would. need a starting point guard. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know where he else he's going to start. Exactly. Um, so, so what about that next group of, like, potentially on-the-market centers? I mean, we've thrown out Miles Turner. I, I don't know how realistic that is, but Capella, Adams, Pina, do you know, is there any way, like... For well, the so all those, guys, all, all those guys are under contract. Right, I, right. So, like, but obviously if you're trading that, is it possible to not trade Marcus Smart and acquire one of those guys? I mean, if Al Horford's going to Houston, then yeah, you can get Capella for him. Like if right, that, okay. if they miss out on Jimmy Butler, so it pretty much you can use Horford again in the sign and trade possibility with one of these teams that maybe are don't have cap room, and then in that situation, they they need you to sign and trade Horford anyway, and then you can get you know a center. Fascinating stuff. Um, I guess so. Do you guys want to? Pretend we're in this universe where the sign and trade is agreed upon. What type of centers do you think the Celtics would be targeting? So, just looking at it, like going through the tiers of bigs that are out there this right. this summer. Like, I mean, the top of the heap is obviously Boban. It's Boban, <laughs> followed by um, Greg Monroe. JaVale, don't forget JaVale. And Kosa Kufus, um, <laughs> the top of the line. No, it, I mean, it's Vucevic and Horford is like the clear 1A, 1B of the big market. But after mm-hmm. that, I think the next tier of bigs that you make calls on here is the, I mean, they still would need the pay cut for $9 million, but maybe they want to win. But, you know, DeAndre Jordan, Brooke Lopez, um, Dwayne Dedman. I feel like those are guys you're probably not going to get. But are definitely worth making the phone call on to be like, hey, you can you're gonna play thirty minutes a game and be racking up huge stats for your next contract here. Let's can, can we start talking about DJ? Just have a little mini conversation about him to start because yeah, he fascinates it. me. I'm very um, into it. Yeah, he's. I think the Celtics have had eyes on him for in years past in different. Tra- possible transactions. He's been a rumored target for Danny. Um, you know, he's a big who tr- doesn't really fit in with how uh, with how Brad Stevens likes his five men to be. Guys who can sp- space the floor a little bit from the outside and you know drag opposing bigs out of the paint. But as someone who is capable of handling the ball on the perimeter, I mean, we saw. We saw Dallas use him a lot more as a passer uh, from the high post, uh, particularly operating with Luka Doncic earlier in the year. I thought they had a lot of success with that. Um, I don't know. I feel like he's a still got the athleticism and the bounce and, and that, that ability to space the floor vertically, which is, even though Brad doesn't like it, it's something that the Celtics haven't had for a while that rim and you know we, when we saw Horford as a rim roller he was very effective and because the Celtics still have shooting on the outside so I don't know I, I kind of I mean I'm intrigued by DeAndre I think that he would be potentially gettable at that number um, particularly if, particularly if you offered him the full four years um, but I don't know what do you guys think no I I I'm really into the idea of, of with this specific Boston team. I, I like to get the, the idea. This is someone that isn't going to need the ball, isn't going to want the ball, right? So that's like when he's out there, that's one guy you're not worried about. 
getting his because he'll get him on, on offensive rebounds or, or whatever it is. I love the the way he extends possessions. Like, and I and I'll admit that I lost track of him a little bit last year in Dallas and New York, but the way that he used to create extra possessions, not even with offensive rebounds, but the tip backs, the tip outs. I mean, he's one of the best guys in yep. the league at that, um, which excites me. And I think that he's a dude that, uh, you know, he he is a competitor in the sense that you know, with, with the Clippers. He certainly had uh, championship aspirations. He had his his year in Dallas and New York, where he was kind of, you know, off the uh, out of the spotlight. And I think he'd be really hungry in the right mindset to come thirty years old, to come to a place like Boston and potentially be one of the the leaders, you know, within the locker room. Certainly a veteran of a team that I think when you when you look at this now, if Kemba's here and DeAndre is here, that is at least a dangerous team in the East. We're not saying that they're in the Toronto-Milwaukee category yet, but I think that's a team that has realistic aspirations of maybe coming out of the East. There's also the, the real quick side effect of the fact that everyone in the NBA loves him. Uh, so Except I don't know. Chris Paul, your boy Chris. To, sure. Get along. Chris Paul does not reportedly get along with DeAndre, yes. Um, but... Everyone loves him, and I don't know how how you know if the Celtics were would be in the free agency game for the foreseeable future if all this played out. Uh, but that's just a nice little benefit, and we didn't even really talk too much about the defensive end and just his impact there and how smart he is and how he's able to. I mean, imagining a defense with Marcus Smart and DeAndre Jordan, and it is that would be just very very difficult to to score on in the half court. Yeah. The I don't I guess I'm a little soured on him based on how things went in Dallas last year. Just again trying him from afar, but I think I remember Zach Lowe just writing about how they they weren't happy with his defense there and they thought he was. He wasn't trying. Yeah, I mean, and I guess that was a situation where you know they, but they were competitive early in the season, and then they obviously fell apart midway through um, in a loaded West. So. I mean, who knows what if that's like a Rick Carlisle thing or just like he wasn't happy with his role there. Um, who knows? But I mean, I couldn't even bring up his bad free throw shooting because he shot 70% last year, which I didn't realize it got that high. Dude, I was just looking at that. I can't. It's, uh, and he shot 77% in his last 20 games with the, with the right, Knicks. Right, which is absolutely wild to me. Um, but no, it's going to be fascinating to see what he... I would, I'd be worried with him, like if he's going to take money that that's short that he would go to like a better contender than the Celtics would be. Mm-hmm. But um, whether that's, you know, obviously Brooklyn, somewhere out West. Are we sure um, that, that Brooklyn would, is, would be, I mean, I guess it depends, but like, even if they just add Kyrie and lose D'Angelo, I don't know if that's necessarily. No, that'd be more of like a Durant. I mean, I heard there's rumors that they were recruiting him to appeal to Durant more to sign there. But again, if they get Kyrie and Durant, there's really no money left for him. So that would, I don't know how that would work. He and- doesn't take like nothing. And Ian Begley reported today, I think that, or today or yesterday, that the Nets are no longer the favorite, quote unquote, for Durant. For Durant, right. Keep that in mind. Right. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Again, like looking around, like what what teams have, you know, a prominent need for a center around the league that have money. And it's like, it's Brooklyn, who are going to spend their money elsewhere. Dallas, we know he's not going back there. The Clippers, he's not going back there. The Lakers, like, hmm. maybe. And then the Knicks aren't going to want him back. So maybe, unless, like, Sacramento is going to throw a big offer at him, then it's 
he's probably going to get mid-level money. Which, again, makes the Celtics look pretty appealing here, to your guys' point. And he's and he's just he is what they need. He's a rim protector, you know, because you say center, but they need a guy that's going to be in the paint doing the dirty work. And uh, I wonder, is there any chance you could getting see all the rebounds glimpses <laughs> of a uh, DeAndre Time Lord front court? Oh, <laughs> That'd gosh. be pretty fun. But yeah, I no, mean, it's uh, it's it works for me. Is that repetitive though? Having two guys like DeAndre, not that obviously Robert Williams is anything close to DeAndre, but do you is Brad going to want? a guy who can at least potentially shoot the ball from more than like 10 feet away. Well, I mean, I think that we're going to have to, everyone's going to have to understand DeAndre's role. Like I don't necessarily see him playing even in crunch time. A lot of times, you know, I think don't tell him that in the free agency. Right, exactly. You no, no I think you do. No, you yeah, I think, you, I think you're, <laughs> listen, I'm, I'm about honesty guys. I think you're honest. You're upfront. Like this is how we're going to use you. This is how we're going to be in the best position to win a title. You don't lie to a guy. Cause then when it happens, then you have what happened last year. Not that they lied, but, you have a, you know, a, a soap opera. Who's playing center in crunch time, though, then? Yeah, I don't even have a problem with him in crunch time. <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe with the foul shots are better now, too. But I don't know. I just, I just don't. I, I, he's not going to be DeAndre Jordan in the Clippers, as long as he understands that. So you guys would, would you guys rather have him over, like, Deadman? De- Deadman's pretty solid. He can shoot, too. Yeah, I would probably take Deadman. Um... I don't know, because if I have Kemba and Kemba is the best, he was. I mean, he led the league last year in pick and roll possessions as a ball handler, and he finished in the 90th percentile. So I would imagine that the Celtics would be wanting to let him run a lot of pick and roll. Um, and DeAndre Jordan is just, you know, he's a big who knows how to operate in the pick and roll as a role guy. I... I I don't know. I, I feel like uh, Deadman, nothing to take away from Deadman, and Deadman has uh, you know shown an ability to knock down open threes. So I like that part of it, but I just think in terms of athleticism, in terms of uh, consistency on the defensive end, you know, I get your concern, B Rob, for sure. When a guy loafs through an entire season because he's unhappy, that's not great. Um, but you're kind of banking on him being happy in Boston, playing with the talent that they have around him. So I also think that f- from the standpoint of, you know, if you want guys like Jalen and Tatum to run more pick and roll, I think DeAndre is just a really good big to have as a partner. It's true. Guys, real quick, um, let me tell you about our sponsor real quick. Be right. If that's all right. Uh, BetOnline.ag. The best sponsor we've ever had, as, as, as we like to say. It's the best spot to place your bets for anything that you like to bet on. They have live betting. They have a virtual casino. Uh, guys, the prop bet that jumped out to me today is the odds of where Kawhi Leonard will play his first game next season. I can tell you living out here in L.A. that Lakers fans are all in. They are 100% convinced that he's coming to Lakers. I'm not sure how they're going to handle it if it doesn't happen. But uh, right now, betonline.ag has the Raptors still at the favor- as the favorites, minus 175. And the Clippers are second, plus 160, and the Lakers at plus 250. So that's where they have it. Uh, BetOnline.ag is CLNS Media's preferred sports pick online. If you want to join the fun and would like to support our podcast, and would also like an extra 50% added on your sports betting bankroll on your first ever deposit, go to clnsmedia.com backslash winning plays. Use the promo code CLNS50 or CLNS100. 
while making your initial deposit and your 50% bonus will be added onto your balance within seconds. To maximize your earnings, you can score up to $1,000 worth of free plays on this one deposit. Uh, for a, a couple uh, fine print, you need a minimum deposit of $25 to qualify for this bonus. And uh, please see betonline.ag's general rules for additional terms and conditions regarding bonuses. Uh, betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, and real quick, guys, guess how much money DeAndre Jordan has made in his career? Career earnings. Uh, a hundred, hundred flat million. Michael, uh, ninety million dollars. Hundred and fifty million dollars. So wow. I'm, I'm thinking that he might be a guy that might be ready to maybe take a little bit less to win. But I've never even spoken to DeAndre Jordan. Uh, be Rob, where were you going? You had something that you were about to say. Um, I just wanted to throw out one other name to you guys that isn't a true big, but I feel like. I know the Celtics have had interest in him in the past and might be available for this kind of money. You done a Salson? <laughs> um, Jermichael Green. You love oh. Jermichael Green. <laughs> I was just saying the same thing. <laughs> I, the Celtics love him too, apparently. They were going to go after him a couple summers ago. Um, that's a guy. So again, not you're not... I mean, he's he's not big. He's I think he's like 6'8", maybe. And... But he can shoot the three, he rebounds well for his size, and defensively seems to be pretty solid there. Clippers obviously are not going to keep him if they're going to get go after, if they land max guys. And yeah, you could offer him a pretty big role if you want to go ultimate Brad Stevens like small ball and just like play him at the five for most of the game. Um I just, You just need that center still first, I think. I think that he's like, Jermichael would be a nice compliment. But I think it, I think for me the first priority is get is finding finding someone to protect the rim, and using what you have to get him. And I don't know if you if you'd have enough left over, but that's just an, and, I, and I like him too. Like he'd be he's a he's well, a he's solid. You'd use veterans minimum for like the like you'd go after like McGee or Noah, or Vonley for like nothing, and then use your mid level money on a guy you could play crunch time at the five like Green. I think I'd be more yeah. inclined to, to use the vet minimum on whoever is a little bit below Jermichael. But that's just my, my gut. Yeah. It feels like a replacement for Marcus Morris, like possibly a slight, probably a slight downgrade from him too. Someone who's more familiar in a low usage situation though, which is good. You want every, I think the Celtics priority should be to get players who are in complete understanding of their role and just never veer outside of the lane, their lane. So from that perspective, I think Jermichael Green would be pretty good. But I, I kind of agree with Rich that if I were to do this and get the opportunity to have that mid-level at nine, I would want to just max out on a big because if my aspirations are to win the title, Jermichael Green is not defending Joel Embiid in the fourth quarter of a playoff game. Is DeAndre good? Is DeAndre good at defending Embiid? I mean, yeah. Why not? That's a bo- no, like, I, I don't know. Like I literally no. I, I, I don't have like the numbers in front of me, but like I, I, DeAndre Jordan is just like it would be a miles better, not even comparable situation than Joe Michael. And I mean, yeah. Like I don't know. So, so, so someone, <laughs> so someone who could fill like the below Joe Michael Green role. Uh, and I, this name has been tossed out a few times, and one of Kemba's former teammates, or maybe soon to be former teammates, is uh, Frank the Tank Kaminsky. 
Next. Cheap. No, not even, <laughs> not, not even, not even, give, not even giving Brad Stevens a chance. Dude, no, next. So give me, give me, give me a little bit more. Why? Have you ever seen him play? I have. Yeah. Okay. He, no. he had he had some stretches last year where he was somewhat productive. I thought he was waived after the trade deadline, and when he wasn't, I was like shocked. But this is the guy who uh, they wanted to take and did not want all those draft picks for, and now. They have removed the qualifying offer from him. That should tell you a, an, like a, a ton about what he yeah, is but, right now. And also, but we've also spent a lot of time telling, talking about how dumb the, the Hornets are. You know, maybe maybe because he came for in, drafting Frank Kaminsky. Sure, I know, but so he he came in with the number nine pick, uh, not mentality or expectations, right? You can understand how sometimes a fresh start can like can recharge somebody's. And I'm not saying that he's going to be the guy that that Michael Jordan thought he was getting. But I'm saying like maybe he's a guy if you can get him for cheap that can fill like a Kelly Olynyk role or just be some sort of serviceable. Like maybe if he's just like Ryan Anderson. I know that's even saying a lot, right? But uh, I don't know if you're if you're looking for cheap options and you don't have many, I think you can maybe do worse than bringing him into into in, under Brad Stevens' wing. I would I would spend the veteran minimum on him. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's what, that, that's what I'm saying because I don't think he's going to be commanding very much out there. Yeah. All right. Let's look now to like room level exception guys. So like this is a situation where the signing trade does not happen, so they only have like four and a half to five million to spend on a true center, and so you don't, you know, you're priced out of like the DeAndres and the the Deadmans and the Brook Lopez's of the world. Like I don't even we didn't talk about Looney. I assume he's gonna even go for more than mid level. It's Craig gonna want a long deal somewhere. So I think that'd be pretty tough to get him. Um So sad. One of my favorite players. So one name, I mean, Ennis Cantor has already been connected to the Celtics with interest, according I think, to Chris Haynes at Yahoo. Um a guy that they you know, they obviously had a nice run in Portland last year. Uh, huge, not not going to really protect the rim, but it's going to rebound and score some points. Um, what are you guys on like him versus someone like Robin Lopez? Who would you prefer? I would much those? rather prefer Cantor. Prefer um, I mean, I, I'm a little biased because I, 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 I know Ennis a little bit, and he's just the best. And I feel like from a locker room perspective, great. From the perspective of having someone like the Celtics really haven't had anybody who can eat on the offensive glass and create second chance opportunities as well as Ennis Cantor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he would be great in that role. Um, I think the defense is the defense is the defense for sure. I thought he held up pretty well uh, in the playoffs before they met the Golden State Warriors. And you know, you don't really have a scenario where, you, like, Cantor will get played off the floor. Like, what team is going to play Cantor off the floor as badly as the Warriors or the Rockets? Uh, I don't really see it in the Eastern Conference. So I'm not that wary. I, I feel like his offense will outweigh his defense for at least, you know, at least this upcoming season. Uh, if I were him, I would probably be looking to get paid, like just max out and try to see who's going to pay me the most money. And, and from that standpoint, I don't know if the the Celtics have a great have a great angle on it. But I think he would be a really good, solid, talented in the prime of his career addition. 
Yeah, I mean, ideally, I'd, ideally, I'd, I'd like to bring him off the bench. Um, but yeah, he's and, and he's always one of those guys that he's been he's been like around and on the market enough. I always kind of thought he might. He was a guy I always wanted in Boston, you know, just because, like you said, he's he's sort of like he brings a little bit of that Baines intensity. That obviously not the same defense, but he can sort of he can he can rough some guys up. He's a tough dude. Um, obviously humongous. Uh, and yeah, and you say the defense, and 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 I and I agree with you. I, I I didn't watching him in the playoffs last year. I mean, after, after Nurkic went down, and they really didn't have a choice but to but to play Canner a bunch. It wasn't it wasn't glaring, right? You you think you just wonder if 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 your other guys are going to be Gordon and Tatum, and then you get like Smart and Kemba. Is is that enough help defensively for him down there? Like is that like that seems like maybe a tough spot to to leave him. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I mean, Hayward can will probably be better on defense. Tatum has shown he can be real solid on D, but the lapses are definitely there, especially the younger guys in that group. And then Kemba, obviously, you know he'll have the effort, but he's not a known as like a plus defender um, due to his size mostly. So yeah, right. like I, I I guess I would be more inclined to get someone I mean I like Kander a lot too and I do think the the rebounding would be a huge plus for this team that takes a lot of jump shots as is um but I would maybe be more inclined to go with more of a a defensive anchor in this role um if you have an option available B-Rob you talked about Jermichael and this is a question for both of you guys so I'm not sure but uh what is Aminu gonna get on the market this year yeah that's a good question Probably around mid-level money again. I would think a, someone he can defend. Some playoff team will throw. Oh yeah, he can definitely defend. I mean, again, if you want to go super, you know, if you want to go small and versatile, that's just another guy that kind of checks the, those boxes. Yeah, he's just not someone as we've seen like that. Like I, I don't even think Portland would really want to bring him back just because year after year it's the same script in the playoffs where you just leave that guy alone on the perimeter and dare him to make open threes like. I don't know. Maybe in his next home, he'll find a different sort of role where he isn't so dramatically off the ball. But I don't know. I'm not that attracted, despite like his length and and all of that. Um, and what yeah. he brings on the defensive end, I'm just not that attracted to. I mean, yeah. it's one of those things. Like if if Stotts wasn't able to to get what he needed out of him, then like you know. Even if even if we want to say Brad is maybe a better coach or among the top, like you know, Stotts isn't very far off. Right. Yeah. Uh, can, can, before you bring up another name, yep. can, can we? Uh, like, I don't know. I know you guys kind of poo pooed Demarcus Cousins in the last pod, but he it just he he really intrigues me in this in this role as a possibility. Yeah, I mean, you make the phone call. Um... Like, how much money would you offer him if you had the full mid-level? I don't think he Oof. would even... I, I, I highly doubt he would want four years. Like, he would not want to lock into a long-term contract. Right. So he's probably I, looking... I feel like he's still looking to max out, still would be on his on really good behavior. I thought he played... I mean, not even 100% healthy in the finals. He had moments in the finals where you're like, this guy belongs which is good. That's really good to see. He would be uh, further removed from the Achilles. Um, 
You know, he can shoot threes. You wouldn't want him to shoot a ton, but he can go out there. He can rebound. He can be a beast in a lot of different ways. Uh, positionally, he's a pretty good defender, big body. Like, I don't know. I, I would be, I, I would really like to see what happens if, they, if they, or what they would look like if they had DeMarcus Cousins at the five. Because if you take, if you take away sort of like the, so Al Horford's like, like, like one of the, on the surface seems like the gentlest, like smiliest guys out there. Whereas like DeMarcus is the guy that always has the, like the, is always growling at someone, right? And just looks a little bit meaner. But if you scale back DeMarcus a little bit and imagine what he could be like, if he's not saying, if you're not saying, okay, DeMarcus, you're our number one guy. We knew that we're going to feed you and want you to dominate every game. He sort of has those similar, he's a great passer. Like he has similar skill set to Al Horford. No, that's exactly right. And you could run a lot of the, I mean, you could almost do a carbon copy of the Isaiah Thomas Al Horford offense from a couple of years ago or, and have a ton of success uh, with, with Kemba and Boogie in those roles, I think. Yeah, I, I'm i definitely open to him, Mike. I've, I worry from a realistic perspective, like if he wants, if he wants to win, wouldn't he just stay in Golden State for short money for one more year, knowing that he's going to have a lot of opportunity there? Um, and then if he wants the big payday and get to put up the big stats, then like he'll go to the Knicks or something, you know, he'll get more but, money for one year. But do you think, like, I think that the opportunity to win and do and you know have the ball in his hands a lot more and do more things would be in Boston actually than Golden State. I don't know. I might maybe I could be wrong about that, and I could see an argument either way. But the West feels like I I, I think if he were to come to Boston and be viewed as kind of what put them over the top and allowed them to go on a run, because you know he would have to be the guy who can. Uh, protect the rim a little bit against Giannis's onslaught or defend Joel Embiid in single coverage and not get completely obliterated. Like he would, I think he would be tested. His value would be tested and he would be able to show what he's able to do a little bit more um, in Boston than maybe in Golden State. I don't know. I think the, for me, if I was him, the appeal of playing of Curry with just like me being as a clear cut number two option with Thompson and Durant out for most of the year. I would want to do that, but I could, you know, you're right. You, you will definitely get, I think it'll be harder for him in the East with those names in terms of like the defense. Yeah. Um, but maybe he wants that, but I, I don't, I guess I would, it seems like he really liked it in Golden State. There's a comfort level there. And so while the second, the Celtics were obviously a second choice last year, I'm not sure that how last year went in Boston would move them up that list. No. And, and also I think, I think Clay Thompson's contract and and KD's contract will impact both, you know, Golden State's uh, motivation to re-sign him and even his motivation to re-sign in, in ways that we can't really even foresee. But it's just a really, really fluid situation in Golden State right now. Yeah, it'll be fascinating how that pans and, out. And B-Rob, I'm glad you brought up the fact that he was that Boston was his second choice last year because that, I mean, that, that was true and the Celtics were interested, you yeah. know. They, yeah, they, no, they would have taken him last year, given all that. Uh, so I think after what he, sh- he showed at the end of the, this past season, I think they'd be probably just as interested. But one thing I'll say about the Golden State versus Boston thing is that, like, sure, I think that he will, the idea of him and Curry playing that, that one-two game that we're talking about him and, and Kemba playing, right, um, 
is probably pretty enticing, but I'm not sure how that's going to be in Golden State this year, especially with it, with it, with what that fan base is used to, what that organization is used to. Um, I think it's going to be a tougher year than, I mean, I guess no one's predicting them to win the title again, but like you're kind of going to be playing in the shadow of the past in Golden State, whereas you come to Boston and it's going to be, it already feels, despite what happened last year, it already feels like it's going to be a much more positive experience. And like you said, Mike, when, when now DeMarcus can maybe get a large part of the credit as one of the right. guys who's making, taking Boston to that next level, um, that could ju- be just as enticing. And my last point about Cousins is, I, I like, I don't know what offense the Golden State Warriors are going to be running next year. Like, are they going to be doing the exact same thing that they have in the past, or are they going to have Curry run a, a ton more pick and roll and let him just kind of unleash hellfire on the league? Like, it's going to be really fascinating to see how they play and how he and how Boogie wants to play. Because um, I could see the Celtics, you know. I'm trying to think like how many like post touches he would get. I think that that's definitely a factor and in his comfort level and, and him kind of deciding where he wants to go. And there are a lot of players on the Celtics still who want the ball in their hands and want to score. So I, I think it would be pretty complicated, complicated. Um, but in, from a talent perspective and a motivation perspective, I, I do like Boogie's fit. I also wonder for him, like, I don't know what his market's going to be, so he might not have a choice. But, like, he's 20, I think, going to turn 29. Like, this is, yeah. exactly, like, one more bad injury. It's a huge year for him. It's a huge year, and, like, if you sign a short-term deal and you get hurt again, then you're screwed. Right. So, like, if someone offer him offers him a long-term deal, like, he's that's, like, good money, then it'd King, be... Kings? Right, right. <laughs> the, the, the problem for him is there's really not any teams that have a clearing hall at center to do that. So maybe he, maybe he is going to max out at like mid-level money or a little bit more above that, um, in terms of a long-term deal. So we will see what, um, you know, how the market dictates, but clearly the Celtics, the Celtics can get for mid-level money. Like, yes, you, you do that. Like you, you, you swing on the upside there. We mentioned um, Brooke Lopez earlier in the podcast. Is there any way that, that that money works out? I mean, I, that sounds great. I mean, certainly with the season he had and what he's sort of grown into a little bit. Um, but that's not going to work, is it? Especially if Al Horford's going to maybe get 4-1-12 somewhere or whatever it might be. Yeah, I think some team will offer him more than mid-level money. Um, oh, definitely. So, yeah, it's you're, unless he's like sold on just playing on a winning team and the, the Bucks are low-balling him, then it, I would imagine that he gets one last payday here. But, yeah. it, but you make that call, obviously, no question, Rich. Um, all right, let's finish up with a couple other bomb of the barrel type names here. Um, Willie Colley Stein is mm. rumored to, I mean, he wants out of Sacramento, obviously. He's trying to pull a Terry Rozier with, uh, <laughs> and get the restricted tag lift off him. Do we like real? I mean, obviously, the defensively, rim protector, he gives you some of that. Um, very soft rebounder. Um, yeah, my, kind of soured on him out there. Obviously, I was so high on this dude coming out of college and didn't want to give up on him for a while. And I think I jumped off the bandwagon last season. Um, I forget exactly when this was, but he just had a sequence. 
at some point where he's just like, I think he threw a pass off the backboard. Like it was supposed to be a lob. The guy, someone back cut and didn't even leave their feet. He still threw the ball and it slammed. I was like, what is, what is he doing? Like he, he makes decisions that are just so curious. He should never have the ball in his hands. Um, <laughs> this is a great, uh... and you know, yeah, well, I mean, it's there's a reason that the Kings are just like, no, like we're not interested in bringing you back at all. And and he's a former lottery pick of theirs. And, um, you know, there's, it makes sense for them to want to let Harry Giles and, and Bagley grow. But like for that, I, I just I think that he is damaged goods in a lot of ways. Uh, if he were to accept uh, his role and just unleash his athleticism on the league purely and not worry about touching the ball and trying to be a playmaker because he's not, um, then it's interesting. But if he's someone who, you know, you're trying to run a DHO action and he's, he's open and he decides to shoot, like, what do you, what do we even do in here? Like, so I, I, I'm just, there's a lot of risk with bringing in Willie Colley Stein is how I'll put it. And I'll say he's uh he's seven feet tall. He started 81 games last year for the Kings, and he blocked fewer shots than Jason Tatum. <laughs> what a stat. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein blocked 51 shots, and Tatum blocked 57. You started You started with the uh, the Walt Frazier scouting report, where it's like, he, well, this guy, he's 6'7", uh, <laughs> exactly. weighs about 230. <laughs> I was raised, I was raised, I was, I was raised, I was raised, I was raised in the old school, uh, yeah, journalist. that's how, that's how you that's how you introduced a man in my day, giving his, his, his stats. Uh, um, so I guess you, you talked me out of you talked me out. Yeah, of so, yeah, I don't. I'm with you guys. Given the especially with the rebounding and top of the lack of rim protection, there just like you can do better. Um, so last but not least, veterans minimum guys. Like this is not a guy who's probably going to start, but maybe a mentor for Robert Williams or AKA a guy who can split time with him when Robert Williams just doesn't, you know, is being a 20 year old player or 21 year old, however he is now. So you have McGee, Noah, Vonley, who might get a little more. He had a pretty decent year last year, but I love Vonley, but I don't know if he's a full time five, but right. Um, And then Kufus, Tyson Chandler, if he's going to give it another go, um, Todd Gibson, I feel like will be available for this type of money on a winning team. Um, and then Nerlens Noel opted out. I imagine he's looking for more money too. But also a clutch guy. Also probably heading to LA, but um, almost a hundred percent. Yeah. So out of those lesser, who do you want to be your bench depth vet, veterans minimum guy um, off the bench here? Out of those choices, I think Tyson Chandler is the guy that jumped out the most to me just as, just as a veteran presence and he seems to be at the point of his career where he's really embraced that um and i know i think he got some rave reviews when he made the switch to the lakers last year before he sort of i don't know how, how much he even played to be honest but i think i think that that's my that would be my choice none of them none of them got me very inspired but I'll well it is the bottom of the barrel rich it is right <laughs> and so this this is this yeah. is for this is what like uh Aaron, Daniel Tice minutes potentially Aaron Baines minutes, not even Baines minutes. Yeah, exactly. Not even Baines minutes. Like if you're not keeping Tice and you need, you know, this is depth signing slash 
maybe an alternative to if you get someone offensive minded like Cantor, maybe you get someone more defensive minded. Um, I do like Noah. You know, if 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 they could, if Joachim is in the right mindset, and I and I trust, you know, uh, Danny and Brad and and Zarin to to be able to evaluate that, like where he is as a as a human being. If he's if he's ready, I, I think I think I'm ready for for Noah in that role. Yeah. I'm with you on that 100%. I was, I mean, the numbers that he put up in Memphis last year were like surprisingly solid. And again, like you said, if he's, his head seemed to be in the right place, he worked hard, he, you know, there were no complaints about him off the court down there. And now he's, again, he has all the money. So if he wants to win and be on a team that can actually do something, this would I imagine be a place for him. And he could even, you could convince him, hey, man, if you play really well, you could be playing more. Like you could play your way into more minutes here. Um, based on the fact that there's not going to be a high threshold of guys that are in here. And weed's legal in Boston. <laughs> Facts. Mm. Huge. Um, I, you know, who's a player I don't think you, you named, B-Rob? Yeah. Um, Ed Davis. I didn't mention him. He should have been on this list, but you're right. Good, good call. I really love Ed Davis. He's probably the best locker room guy in the entire NBA completely understands what he is you know um we saw him a little bit in the playoffs try to guard and be one-on-one it went how it went <laughs> um wasn't wasn't that terrible but you know it's it it's funny like finding anyone to guard and beat one-on-one is like not even it's just really difficult but uh, and that's not how he should be judged but he's one of the better offensive rebounders in basketball still beloved by everyone he plays with um not really a stretch guy at all, uh, which is, you know, that's not great. But you're not going to get a stretch big um, with this type of money. Uh, so I don't know if he's if he's going to make more than than the veterans minimum potentially, probably uh, based on the season he had last year. But he's someone who they should definitely target, and it would be really good to see. Yeah, I mean, he he averaged eight point six rebounds a game and. In seventeen minutes, seventeen point yeah, nine minutes. Beast on the glass. I wish so his that's... arms were. I wish his arms were a bit longer for shot blocking reasons. But he did have one season with that one season with the Lakers when he played a bunch. He, he blocked one uh, shot point two a game. So he's got it a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, uh, he, he'd be like like uh, if you're not going to bring in Cantor, he could do sort some of the same things just for less money. Yeah. So that'd be like a, a room level guy. Like you throw five million dollars something at him, and hopefully, you know, someone. There's only going to be limited enough number of opportunities around the league. So if these guys want to play, one of these guys is going to kind of jump on that. And the Celtics have to hope that it's someone they like, I guess. So You are selling. I mean, you're, you're like you're selling all these guys on a starting role on a playoff team that aspires for more. Like, I think that's a really good, like a really good pitch that not a lot of teams can offer. It might be better than last year. Where we we've got a stack team that that you got to come in and oh, yeah. sort of figure out your role, you know, or maybe not even have one. No question about that. Yeah. Um, all right, so this is we'll be keeping our eyes on this throughout the uh, the weekend here into the, the start of free agency um, on June thirty for a change. It's gonna be weird to say that, but we will uh, be back with you guys early next week to uh, break down the the latest rumblings as things open up and if the Celtics have made any headway here or perhaps 
we didn't get too much into it, but you know, the trade options, if they swing something bigger and decide these, none of these guys on this list that we've gone over, um, are going to fit the bill and want to, you know, break things. What's, what's your guys' prediction on that, by the way, before we wrap up, do we, do we think a, a trade is coming or do we think that they're going to just not putting a core for each sign and trade aside, just like a trading from their core? Well, if, if, if the way you're going to make it work, if, if the only way you're going to make it work is to trade Marcus Smart, I, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't seem like that's what they're going to do to me. And we're, we're obviously, we're, we're, this whole conversation is assuming that Kemba Walker is going to be on the Celtics for the next, you know, three or four years at least. Um, so that being right. said, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see it unless there's another way. And there, and there always is another way. And if there is one, you know, there, this is the right team to, to figure it out. But under that sort of, you know, small umbrella, I would say no. I would, I would say I would agree. And, uh, it was, it's not the worst thing in the world to to, to keep all of your assets for, uh, you know, maybe the trade deadline or, or next offseason or, or any other opportunity to to uh, build out the team uh, for the future. Uh, even if you even if they do sign Kemba, like the expectation shouldn't necessarily be t- that they are trying to win the title this year, but it, they would be pretty close. And I think keeping the assets for the trade deadline uh, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. No, I'm with you guys on that. So that's the, those are our predictions from here. We'll see how it plays out over the next few days. And we'll be back with you guys uh, early next week to break it all down and see, get a better, clearer picture of what this team's going to look like in 2019.